I want to get into the Word today, and I think that this is a really important, uh, interesting time that we're living in. As you can see, I'm streaming from my home because we're entering uh, week two of the uh, governor of Illinois' shelter-in-place order. And obviously, we want to take that order seriously, and we want you to take that uh, order seriously as well. Uh, But the more time that passes, I don't know about you, but the more time that passes, the realer this thing uh, gets for me. Um, As the number of those infected rises and the death toll climbs, it's becoming clear that the worst of this crisis is likely uh, yet to be seen. And so this gets more complicated for many of us who are stuck at home, particularly if you're living uh, alone. That has probably already gotten old. Uh, If you're like me and you're living with other people, particularly little people, that's probably getting old fast too. Uh, Because many of you are now your children's teachers or your grandchildren's teachers. And you, you know, you say, if I get one more email from the school, I'm going to absolutely lose it. And some of you are starting to feel the pinch of the economic reality, of national economic reality, your local economic reality, and even your personal family economic reality. Some, Some of that is starting to take hold as well. And if, you, if, you, if you're like me, you might slowly, excuse me, uh, or quickly feel yourself coming undone. And if that's you today, I have a word from, for you today from the Lord. And I believe that word uh, for us today is to look up. Look up. The psalmist says in Psalm 121 verses 1 and 2, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And what most of us need right now in this particular season of uncertainty is we need help. And some of you might have even said, Lord, help us. Lord, rescue us from this. Lord, fix this. And it's in my experience that sometimes our help that comes from the Lord, uh, manifests itself in God like coming to take care of the issue. Like he's coming to fix the circumstance. He's coming to calm the storm. But most times, though, that help comes from God like doing an inner work in us. In other words, instead of calming the storm, instead of immediately dealing with the situation, sometimes that help, which comes from the Lord, comes by way of God calming us by God steadying us, by God stilling us, by God providing an anchor for our souls. But this only happens, friends, when we're able to look up. And so in our few moments here this morning, I just want to encourage you and challenge you to look up. I want to look at a passage of scripture uh, in Isaiah chapter 6 this morning, and I want to encourage you and challenge you to turn your eyes toward God, to turn your eyes toward heaven. Listen, there's plenty of stuff. As we look out on the landscape of our natural reality, there's plenty of things to look at, plenty of things to stress out over, plenty of things to be afraid about. But I'm challenging you in this moment, in this, in this precious moment we have to get together, to look up. And I want to use this passage of scripture today to help illustrate that. Isaiah chapter 6, I want to start at verse 1 says, it was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. 
Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The voices shook the temple to its foundation, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. This is Isaiah speaking. I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Now I feel like this is an appropriate text for the hour that we're in. And I want to offer a little bit of helpful context, historical context, so you uh, can understand this passage a bit better. This is the prophet Isaiah speaking here. Uh, and a prophet is simply somebody who's been commissioned by God to speak to the people on God's behalf. So these are powerful, this is a powerful life-changing vision that uh, Isaiah has at a, at, a, at a specific moment in time, and I just want to highlight to you what's going on at the time that Isaiah gets this vision. The very first verse says, it was in the year that King Uzziah died that Isaiah had this vision. And scholars tell us that King Uzziah was one of Judah's good and righteous king, one who did uh, right in the sight of God for the most part. Uh, Uzziah reigned for about 52 years and had some of the most prosperous years for God's people. And scholars believe that this distinction, this historical marker, the year that King Uzziah died, is helpful for us and necessary for us to understand what was happening at the time that Isaiah sees this vision. Uzziah was a beloved king, and he was succeeded by a not-so-good king, which means his death, as one scholar put it, was a public tragedy and an occasion for great sorrow. It was a public tragedy. Everybody knew about it. Everybody felt this, and it was an occasion for much sorrow. People were devastated. Now, this is what's going on as Isaiah uh, sees this powerful vision from God. This is the historical setting. And this applies to us because God's people have always found themselves looking toward the wrong thrones for hope and salvation. Isn't that true? We've always found ourselves looking someplace other than the throne of God for hope and salvation and for rescue. And what we've discovered over and over and over throughout the course of history, throughout the course of Christian history, history, excuse me, is that no earthly throne or power can bring any lasting hope. No earthly throne or kingdom can bring any lasting salvation. Only God's eternal throne can do that. And this should matter to us because we are at an historic moment in time right now with this COVID-19 virus. This is a global pandemic. As the U.S. infection rate goes up, as the bodies start to pile up, as the governors and mayors start to complain about not having enough respirators, as cities go into quarantine, as people scramble for basic needs like toilet paper and they panic, this becomes one of those significant moments 
in history, the sort of thing that when we talk about it years later, everybody will, just kind of like 9-11, know where they were, know what they were feeling. We will forever be marked by this tragic moment in time. We'll talk to our grandkids about this. This is a historic moment. But if we look up, as I'm challenging us to do today, this can be both a historic and a holy moment if we, like Isaiah, would just look up. Because as we'll see as we walk through this text here in a minute, that there is an important, necessary chain reaction that happens that makes all the difference in our lives, it makes all the difference in our circumstances if we only look up. And it doesn't only impact us, but it will impact the world around me. And so I invite you to track along with me as I just pull a few things out of here. When Isaiah looks up, as we should, several things happen. The first is that he sees God seated on the throne. He sees God seated on the throne. He says as much here in verse 1. He says, I saw the Lord, and he was seated on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the entire temple, a lofty throne. He was high and lifted up. Uh, Isaiah didn't look down to see the Lord. He didn't look out to see the Lord. He had to look up to see the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne. And imagine this grand picture that Isaiah gets as he sees the Lord. In the midst of unsettling uh, circumstances uh, around him, in the midst of this you know, tumultuous sort of regime change, in the midst of Uzziah dying and all the implications thereof, he looks up and he sees God on the throne. And you would be surprised what seeing God on the throne will do to your heart especially when you're in crisis, especially when it's times are uncertain, especially when we're facing problems big and small, you would be surprised and delighted what will happen to your heart, what will happen in your heart as you see God on the throne, what happens to your circumstances and the things that threaten you and the things that keep you up at night, you would be surprised and delighted what happens when you look up and you see God on on the throne. And so my question to you is in the midst of all that we're dealing with in our lives as a nation and our lives personally, where is your God? Where is your God today? This is an important and pressing question. Uh, this is no small matter. And I believe that where your God is makes all the difference. Isaiah sees God high and lifted up, seated on the throne, and he has this perspective that begins to change how he views the world around him. Uh, he also has a window into God's perspective. If God is seated high, that means God's vantage point is perfect. It's much better than ours, and it gives us an opportunity to trust what he's doing, trust what he's saying, and trust how he's working or not working. Uh, but he looks up, and he sees God seated on the throne. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, God, I don't want you on the throne. I want you down here. Come and fix this. But then I'm reminded that God is God and I am not, that he is seated on the throne because he is worthy to sit there. And I just got to trust him. I got to lean on him. I got to rely on him. I got to trust that he's never, ever failed me yet. But this whole thing begins by, with Isaiah seeing God high and lifted up seated on the throne, this grand picture of God. And the next thing that we see is that Isaiah is able, after seeing that, he's able to behold God's holiness. 
This is so important. It might seem in unimportant moments, particularly when crisis rages, that we just want some rescue. We just want God to fix this. We just want God to wave his hand over it and fix it. But it's so important that Isaiah beheld God's holiness. It's so important that we behold God's holiness. And God's holiness simply means that he is morally, spiritually excellent. He's perfect and he's pure. He is unquestionable. His excellence is unimpeachable. And so when Isaiah looks up, he not only beholds God seated on a throne, but verse 2 tells us that attending him were mighty seraphim. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And these seraphim, these winged creatures were tasked with protecting and proclaiming the holiness of God. This is all they said. This is all they did was protect and proclaim the holiness of God. And I don't know about you, but sometimes this is the last thing I want to behold. (laughs) Because looking at God's holiness is like looking in a really big, clear, clean mirror. You ever looked in the mirror and just went, <laughs> right? You ever looked in the mirror and just all of your flaws, everything that was wrong with you, and you, uh, sometimes all you just want to do is get away from the mirror, right? And so to behold God's holiness is uncomfortable. For some of us, it's unwanted because it's like looking in a perfect mirror. We behold God's goodness, we behold His perfectness, And in the most uh, helpful way, it shows us the things that are broken about us. It shows us our sinfulness. And Isaiah was able to see his sinfulness in all of this as he beheld his holiness. And I don't know about you, but I don't really like this part. Uh, I don't really like looking into God's holiness all, all the time because, honestly, I don't always like what I see. If I can just be transparent with you sometimes, I don't want to hear any preaching. Sometimes I don't want to read the scripture. Sometimes I don't want to hear any worship songs because sometimes I'm in a state in my life where I just don't want to deal with God's holiness. I don't want to see the things that he would point out as I behold his goodness, his unimpeachable holiness. Sometimes I don't want to engage with this, right? Uh, not that God is trying to condemn us, but it's convicting. It's challenging. He points out areas that we're supposed to work at. And in looking at God's holiness, we look in a mirror. And in looking in that mirror, Isaiah saw his own sinfulness. He says, it's all over. Verse 5, I am doomed. I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. This is Isaiah's response. He looks into the mirror of God's holiness and he doesn't, you know, check himself out and say, man, I look good. I'm perfect. I'm good to go. He looks into the mirror of God's holiness and says, I am a mess. I'm doomed, right? And honestly, if you would just stay with me for a few moments, this is what most of us need right now. Because there's something about the valleys of life that can sometimes send us running to our idols. There's something about being pressed and being stressed on every side and walking through the valley of the shadow of death that can send us running for our idols, running toward vices, running toward destructible things so that we might medicate our pain and deal with all this time we have on our heads, and deal with our fear, and numb the pain. Sometimes the valleys, and we're in a valley. Sometimes the struggles, we're in a struggle. Sometimes our fights, and we're in a fight. Sometimes uh, 
they, they send us running to things that aren't good for us. And our weaknesses and our sinfulness, sometimes we have these flare-ups. And some, there's sometimes being holed up with loads of idle time on our hands, like many of us are finding ourselves right now, uh, sends us to find comfort in food and drink, in substances and in inappropriate behaviors and inappropriate media and toxic relationships. And some of us, our sinfulness and our brokenness manifests itself in excessive worry and excessive fear. And so it behooves us in this moment where we're in the valley, in this moment where we are pressed on every side, in a moment where we're anxious and prone to lean toward the things that are destructive, it it behooves us to look up and see God And not just see God on the throne, but to see his holiness, which is like looking in the mirror so that we might discover, so that God might uncover those places and those areas where we're broken, those tendencies we might have to lean on and lean toward things that would be destructive and cause more harm than good. Now, this seems like the last thing you might want to do in a moment of crisis like this, but if we stick it out, God is able and willing and eager to clean us up, to deal with those things. We see it in verse 6 in this vision. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongues. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. I think this is a powerful moment in this vision. Here Isaiah is. He's dealing with God's holiness. He's being forced to deal with his own sin. He's frightened by this encounter. He's like, I'm a mess. I'm, I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. And here in the same passage, in the same vision, the Lord sends one of these angels with a coal to deal with Isaiah's area of sinfulness and brokenness. That coal comes and touches his lips. Now, I don't think it's any uh, surprise that the area that God deals with has specifically to do with what God has called Isaiah to do. He's a prophet. He's supposed to speak on behalf of God. And so a man with unclean lips, that might be a complicating reality for somebody who's going to speak on behalf of God. Nonetheless, the Lord sees his sin, sees Isaiah's disposition, and remedies his issues with this hot coal. Now, I, I, I wonder what the Lord might come uh, and touch on you with those coals as you look into his holiness, particularly in this moment of crisis, particularly in this moment of our fear and anxiety where we might be tempted to run toward things that aren't helpful, want things that might take us away from God's plan for us. I, I, I wonder if you might think for a moment, if the seraphim flew toward you today, what area of your life would he touch with the coals? Would it be your appetites? Uh, would it be your fears or your worries? Would you be like Isaiah and the, the, the seraphim might come and touch your tongue because of the words that you've chosen to speak? Uh, might it be your thought life or your heart? What, what, what would the Lord deal with as you behold this holiness? And you might be wondering, what's your point here? Like, this seems like not the right message to bring at a time of crisis. This seems like uh, a good message for some other time, but what is your point? Why are you talking about our sin? Why here? Why now? Well, I think it's appropriate because of what I talked about on Wednesday night. Like, we are called to be somebody's answer. I believe that the church, I believe that you and me, we are put here on this earth 
to be somebody's answer. We're put here to be on mission. We are salt. We are light. We're here to be distinctive, to stand out. And we're here to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so God's not pointing out our sinfulness just to make us angry or to condemn us or just because he can. There's a, there's a reason to all, for all this. There is a purpose for all of this. And if I can sum it up in one word, it is mission. We've got something to do and there's no time like the present where the church should rise up and be the church. There's no time like the present where the church and God's people should be abundantly clear about why we're here and what we're here for. This, as I said on Wednesday night, is our moment. And as Isaiah sits in this vision and this chain of events happening, the last thing that happens, I think, was perhaps one of the most important things, is he gets commissioned. He gets commissioned. Friends, God is at work, and he is allowing us to partner with him in that work, Everybody has something to do. I got something to do. My wife's got something to do. You've got something to do. Your kids have got something to do. We've all got something to do. And this is evident as we round out this text here today in verse 8. After all this happens, after all this happens, he sees God sitting on the throne. He's aware of God's holiness, therefore aware of his sin. God cleanses his lips. And then this happens, verse 8. Then I heard the Lord asking, this is Isaiah, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am send me. See, we've all got work to do. This is our moment. And the enemy would love to distract us with fear. He would love to distract us by panic. He would love to distract us with this COVID-19, the coronavirus, and all the, the infections, and all the bodies piling up. He would love to distract us. Now, that is really important stuff that we should keep our eye on. We should be aware. We should be socially distancing. We should be doing all that stuff. But the enemy would love to distract us with all that stuff and get us wrapped up in our sinfulness and in our vices. But we've got work to do. Like Isaiah, we've got something to do. God's not just messing around here, right? I think about all the doctors and nurses that are rushing toward harm's way while everybody else is rushing away from it. I'm listening to the news each day as... Doctors all over the country are, uh, without even adequate supplies and masks and headwear and all that stuff, they're staying in the hospitals, they're treating patients, many of them infected, growing number of them dying, they're succumbing to this illness, but they are on mission, they have work to do, right? And so in the same way, we are called at this very moment, this historic and holy moment, we are called to be God's doctor's and his nurses, his hands and feet that will tend to what is ailing the world right now. This is us. This is our moment. Whom shall we send? The Lord is asking today. And let me tell you something. The world needs an answer today. In this moment, they cannot be found in any place in Washington, in the White House, in the halls of Congress or the Senate, uh, the world needs an answer that the CDC cannot supply. The world needs an answer uh, that it, no economic stimulus package can even touch. The world needs to know God. 
The world needs a relationship with Jesus. And God wants to know in this holy moment, who can he trust? Who can he send? Who will go rushing in as others are rushing out? Who will have, uh, who will have their souls anchored in the Lord so that they can be his hands and feet, so that they can be salt and light, so that they can do what God has put us on the earth to do? And I hope, I hope that when the Lord says, who can I send, that everybody at SSV says, Lord, here am I, you can send me. And all our friends and family that don't go to SSV that's watching today, I hope that when the Lord says, who can I send? Who will go for me? I would that there would hands go up all along, all over living rooms, all across the south suburbs and all over the country and all over the world. The people would say, Lord, you can use me. I'm scared. I don't know what the future holds, but you can use me. Lord, you can deal with my sinfulness. You can deal with my issues so that I'm ready to be used by you. You can send me. Who among us needs to look up? In the midst of all of this, see God seated on his throne. Who among us needs to behold God's holiness so that we might be able to see our sinfulness, so that God can deal with those areas of brokenness, and so he can ready us to be his hands and feet so that we might, like Isaiah say, here I am, Lord, send me. Friends, this is our moment. This is our moment to rise up. And I want to encourage you to look up today. I know you're scared. I know you're anxious. I know the world is pressing in on you. But look up. I also want to say to those of you who might be viewing today and you're, you wouldn't identify yourself as a Christian. Maybe you're moderately interested in faith. Maybe you're just checking it out. You might even be viewing from an atheistic perspective. But uh, something tells me that you're watching me for a reason. Something tell, tells me that you need an answer that nothing else can provide. And something tells me that you're entertaining the idea that your hope can only be found in Jesus. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that Jesus would reveal himself to you, particularly in this moment of crisis, in this moment of need, at this moment where you've got lots of time on your hands. I pray that the Lord would reveal himself to you in a way that is meaningful to you. And today, that you would surrender your life to him, that you would trust him with your life. So some of us need to look up. (laughs) and cling to what we know about God and lean into that. Others of us need to make commitments, maybe for the first time today, to follow Jesus and to trust him because he's the answer for the world today. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for being an anchor for our souls. Father, we choose to look up today. We choose to behold your grandness and we choose to look into your holiness and we choose to let you reveal the things in our hearts that need to be revealed And we choose to let you work on those things and ready us for the mission. And when you ask who will go, Father, may we say, send me. Come Holy Spirit, help us do your work and be who you've called us to be. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen.